Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Kelly Racing are expanding. Triple Eight lightens their load. And V8 supercars are hiring. That's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Kelly Racing have just broken the ground on their new extension to the Brayside headquarters. Once completed, Kelly Racing will have 4,000 square metres housing every aspect of their operation. The extension will see their paint shop, engine building, composite shop, CNC machining and fabrication departments all under the one roof. It's slated for completion in 2011. Jason Bright is not worried about being the old man of the series, telling Big Pond Sport this week, and people should expect the Trading Post Commodore to be at the front over the next 18 months. Bright also said that Mark Scaife, the five-time champion, retired too early and for the wrong reasons. You can read more at Big Pond Sport. Triple Eight will shake down Jamie Winkup's new Commodore on Thursday, with the two-time champion looking forward to getting his hands on a new car, which is reported to be the best Commodore Triple Eight has ever produced. The new lighter Triple Eight Commodore will be named Georgia. Triple Eight HRT, Gary Rogers Motorsport, and FPR have all had successful trips to Perth this week, completing a number of media and sponsor commitments. Even though the series did not go to the West last weekend, Dean Fiorius secured some Northern Territory money for the Hidden Valley round of the championship, with Argus Apartments in Darwin coming on board for the one-off event. In other news, Irwin Racing's co-driver David Brabham heads off to Le Mans for the 24-hour classic with Highcroft Racing. And spare a thought for all the drivers in the Gold Coast Armoroyal 600, that is of course the international co-drivers, with Dario Franchitti winning the Indy 500 one week and our own Ryan Briscoe winning the Texas 500 the next, it seems like all the co-drivers are coming into that race with great form. Are you interested in working for V8 Supercars Australia? Well, operations manager Kurt Saksuski is moving from V8 Supercars to become the event manager of the Armour Oil Gold Coast 600. So check out the Big Pond website and see how you can apply. Stephen Johnson has fractured his leg while at a wedding in Fiji. Junior is expected to be fit for the next week's Sky City Triple Crown at Hidden Valley, but it just brings to mind my favourite song from 2009. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Brian Gunther and Richard Crail will be along with plenty more. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. 
who's taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week is none other than Briar Gunther from Big Pond Sport. Good afternoon and evening to you, Briar. I'm going great guns, and also from SBS's Speed Week, it is none other than Richard Crail. Crayley, great to have you on the show again. Thanks, Craig. Uh, very uh, chilly Adelaide eve- uh, Good evening to you. Well, hopefully it'll warm up here on the show because I want to kick it off with the car of the future. And, uh, of course, Bri, you've been writing a number of uh, stories over the last uh, week or so on the car of the future and the implementation, which seems to be being kicked back a little bit. Yeah, that's right, Craig. Uh, initially, when, when they had the big launch um, and we were given all the glossy brochures, it was originally um, scheduled for a full implementation at the start of the 2012 season. And um, after some discussions with the teams, mainly at the team forum uh, held late last month, they uh, decided to make it a, a phase-in introduction or, or step-in introduction, if you like, where they haven't actually worked the whole details on it yet, but throughout 2012, they'll start to implement uh, certain parts at certain events or rounds is my understanding at the moment. Um, no one seems to be exactly clear on how that's all going to work out. Uh, at the moment, the Car of the Future Committee is working on finalising that by June the 30th, which was when all of the details for Car of the Future were supposed to have been worked out. Well, Crayley, you're one of those guys that has uh, an interest in Formula 3, and Although they're not brand new cars each and every time you roll them out, you are getting cars from overseas and having to balance them in. Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest difference from an F3 point of view is that the the cars come complete ex-Europe and and they're sort of a very active second-hand market in racing cars, I guess, where uh, our teams here in Australia basically just buy a car and and ship it over. But at the same time, we've got a process where um, we've got a liaise with, you know, the stakeholders in our series and, and sort of see what they need. And, and there are certain, you know, rules and regulations that are different in Australia to what they run in uh, Europe, um, primarily from a cost-saving initiative. So, you know, that implementation thing's a, a pretty key thing to get right and you can't rush it. And sort of I appreciate, you know, what the, the position that the supercars are in where it, it's something you can only do once, you know, you, you as NASCAR's proved, if you get it wrong, it can take you some time to, to change it and get it right. So you've got to take your time and, and be a bit methodical and basically just get it right, especially, I think, from V8's sort of point of view at the moment, guys, is that the product right now isn't that bad. I mean, it's, it's good. Yes, we need to reduce costs. Yes, you know, on a couple of occasions, the racing can probably be better, but they've got that very, very good position where... Right now, the product is good enough to maintain it, and and getting a new car is not 100% critical to the survival of the sport, as perhaps it might be in series like IndyCar, which are going through the same thing at the moment. So, 
yeah, it's a, it's a, a handy situation for uh, for V8 to be in, but it's going to be an interesting process for them as they they phase that new car in. Now, Brian... Just to point out, Craig, uh, actually part of the other reason why they've actually pushed back the introduction of Car of the Future or the full introduction of Car of the Future is that some of the teams actually were calling for the Car of the Future to be fully implemented um, on a one-off basis at the start of the 2013 season, so actually pushing it back a year. Instead, they've all come to a compromise and never to phase in car of the future. Like, to me, guys, I reckon you're better off going bang, every car in the field's the new car. Um, I know if it takes an extra 12 months, well, is that going to hurt us? The racing is pretty darn good now, Richard. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it sort of it opens up a grey area that the sport doesn't need if you've got two different types of race cars. It'd be like NASCAR when they introduced their car of the future, or car of tomorrow as they called it, it would be like them running that in the same race as the existing Sprint Cup car. Uh, and it's turned out the new car's got some different performance variables. It's got more downforce, so it's better through the corners, but less straight-line speed, so um, it struggles there. So it, it opens up that grey area. Now, I know there's been some discussion in the press about, you know, There'll, there'll be a, a sort of a performance um, equalisation thing, I guess, between the two. If it does turn out that there is a major difference in performance between Car of the Future and, and the existing car, but I think from a series standpoint, and certainly from an E standpoint, it would be better just pumping it back a year. Current cars are good, no doubt about it. Maybe put a moratorium on building new cars for the 12 months before the introduction to save teams some money. Um, and, you know, stop them from building the current spec cars, go out and build the new ones straight away, introduce them all at once at uh, the first race of the 2013 season. That makes more sense to me. Mm. Brian, how split did you find the teams? Well, um, the ones who actually wanted to push back the introduction of Car of the Future till 2013, they were sort of not all too happy about actually phasing it in from 2012. Uh, there were other teams who were happy to implement it in 2012 who were quite happy to um, to phase in the project. Personally, I would have thought that it would have been easy to, as you've just said, go back, bang, here we go, you're starting to run it from whether it be the 2012 or 2013 season um, and that be it. But uh, from what I've I've been talking to the teams about, they've been saying that, well, no, it's actually really not going to be too much of a hassle um, and it may end up saving some of the teams some money or, or they'll be able to spread out their costs over a period of time. Uh, but as Richard said, the, the parity issue is a bit of a problem. The car of the future is supposed to be uh, lighter than the current car and, of course, the weight distribution will also be better. So you'll have those issues where car of the future will probably be uh, quicker than the current car and that could actually pose a problem and so what the teams are really saying is we really don't care how it's implemented so long as that parity is maintained between the current car and car of the future. It's going to be very interesting Richard to see how they go about testing the car because at the moment if you were to build a car based on the specs that are out there it's not a V8 supercar how much testing could you do in it if you got on the bandwagon early could you go out there I wonder and uh, well if you could afford to of course do uh, a couple of months working on the race track because it is that grey area where you're building a car that doesn't have a competition at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's not a, a registered V8 supercar, is it? So, I mean, it does open that possibility, and I, I don't doubt many of the brainy people in our sport have already thought about that. But, oh, look, I, I think common sense, Craig, will probably prevail in that and that uh, until the, a, a complete sort of technical workup of this new car and a complete set of tech regs and stuff like that 
a lay down, um, they're not going to go and build a car and just go hack around in it just pointlessly because things might change before it's introduced. And all the data that you've gone and, and gathered and all the thousands of dollars you've torn up going testing might be worthless. So I don't think the sport's in a position at the moment where teams are going to go and just tear up money stuffing around with a car that may end up being the final spec. I think they'll wait. I think they'll be pretty um, pretty level-headed about this whole process. And um, in the end, they need to realise that uh, this is supposed to be a cost-saving initiative for the sport. Yes, the upfront cost of building new cars are expensive, but... Um, they've got to be a bit realistic about why this is being involved. And, and I don't think you'll see too many of those situations. It's, it's certainly a hypothetical, but I would have thought if, if we've talked about it, that people at uh, V8 Supercars would have talked about it and there would be controls in place to stop that kind of thing happening, I would have thought. I guess uh, just ahead of the break, Briar, a lot of the parts are going to be implemented over the next 18 months anyway, so really the big changes with the independent rear end and that sort of thing uh, are the ones that they're not going to be able to do much about until uh, the specs are finally nailed down. Well, that's right. And as I said, I'm not exactly sure, but from my understanding, the, the process at the moment will be that certain components will be introduced at certain times. So, um, I mean, you've got the control chassis, which, which is also going to be implemented. Well, until the, the teams actually get hold of that, they won't actually be able to build a car of the future. So whether V8 Supercars decides to release those uh, closer to the date rather than sort of in six months' time, I dare say that's what they'll end up doing. And, and as Richard said, there'll be rules in place to to close those sort of loopholes where teams that can't afford it will be able to build a prototype car of the futures. Mm. Well, a break and then back with more on the V8 Insiders right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where Richard Crail from Speed Week and Briar Gunther from Big Pomp Sports, and of course we can't forget our good friends there at V8X Magazine. I know you're working hard on the uh, news now as it's getting very close to uh, final deadline for you, Briar. That's correct, Craig. We've got lots of good stuff that should be in the next uh, edition of V8X. Okay, see, V8X is on sale now with the Giz on the cover. Hey, we're getting close to halfway through the season. What's been your thoughts on the year so far with Courtney in front, Wing Cup in second? What have you thought of the battle so far, Briar? Oh, I think it's certainly made everything exciting. Everyone was pretty much resigned. To, uh, to Jamie leading for the rest of the year and just taking the championship really easily. And it was just really nice to see someone different be able to push through and, and get a few wins under their belt. That, of course, being James Courtney, I think anyone would have liked to have seen anyone different to win. Not, not that it's anything on Jamie. I mean, his team's do, doing such a fantastic job. To have led the championship for 18 months is pretty incredible in this day and age when the racing's just so tight. But he was just so dominating at, at the start of the year right up until Queensland. Everyone was sort of like, oh... You know, when's it going to end? And, and it did end, and, and he's admitted it's just because of the soft tyres. So heading into Darwin, where there's one soft tyre race and one hard tyre race, uh, 
I think we'll see Jamie doing really well, um, at least on the Saturday, which is the, the hard tyre race. And then on the Sunday, who knows, and I should actually clarify, the Sunday race, they can only use one set of soft tyres and the rest will be done on the controls. So I think, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if James will be able to lead for the rest of the year. I, I can really see Jamie and, and Team Vertifone wanting to come back and, and dominate and be at the front. And they are a stronger team. Just look at their results over the past couple of years compared to Jim Beam Racing. I mean, who knows? Maybe Jim Beam will be able to pull something out of their hat. But they are one of the teams that have been seeing this new control camshaft, which is going to be introduced at Darwin, will be um, or will make them lose a, a bit of horsepower in their engines. So I think now it's wide open again, and, um, and it's really exciting. What about your thoughts, Richard, before we talk about that camshaft? Uh, what a... What are your thoughts about uh, the season so far? Oh, look, I completely agree with everything Bryce said. It's, it's been great. It's been refreshing to see someone other than Win Cup win. You, you get into that Michael Schumacher syndrome where you sort of rock up at a race meeting and you kind of resign to the fact that the red car is going to be out in front. So it, it, it's really nice, I think, from the sports perspective, uh, perspective and, and from the guys and girls telling the story in the media and uh, you know, guys on Seven showing it on TV to have someone up there winning and what a great yarn it is for Dick Johnson Racing to be the one doing that after all the dramas they've had over the last five years you know they were moments away from collapse basically from financial ruin and the saviour walked in they got James Courtney a a wild child driver who had a reputation for crashing and it's all gelling together and they've won the last couple of races and all of a sudden they're on top of the championship it's a great story and, and it's what the sport's needed and it spiced things up greatly going into the second half of the year and, yeah, now we get this great intrigue as to whether Triple Eight can bounce back. And, and, you know, with all the success they've had as a team over the last four or five years, I think this will be probably the toughest test for that operation is to, OK, well, they're on the back foot for the first time now. Let's see how they rebound. Let's see how they bounce back like, you know, Tolhold and Racing Team's done in the past. And uh, I've got no doubts that Triple Eight is well and truly up to the uh, task of doing that, but it's going to be exciting watching it happen. It is indeed, and uh, Brian, the new camshaft, you you hinted at it just there before, it is a control part, and some teams are a lot more confident about its implementation than others. Yeah, that's right. The the way it's been described to me is that basically there's some teams that run an aggressive style on a type of camshaft, and and that's where they're going. Those teams are going to lose a bit more horsepower than the other ones that that don't run as an aggressive camshaft, and um, it's all to do with the uh, the top end speed in the engine. And um, I'm trying to make it pretty simple, but. Um, yeah, basically, it's it's designed to to cut costs um, by having a control camshaft. Everyone has to have the same part. They can't fiddle with it and and make um, a few more horsepower out of it, as opposed to now where the teams can run their own and and have their own little secrets going on under there in the engine. Um, but yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell. It's just designed to cut costs. But some of the teams, once again, just aren't happy with it. They uh, they would obviously prefer on their own if they have a few extra horsepower advantage over other teams. Richard, when has ever a team owner been happy with a decision to make a change? Even if the change was something they were already using, they'd be going, but I don't want everyone else using this. We use it and get success out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the, old, the old motorsport conundrum, isn't it? It's, it's one of the great things about the sport that I really enjoy. Uh, as for Dick Johnson Racing, I mean... They're, they're, I think they've spoken publicly, Brian, you've probably reported on it, that, that they were one of the teams talking about that they would lose a fair bit of grunt with this new camshaft. But 
DJR, as long as I've been watching this sport, have always had a lot of horsepower and have always had a lot of grunt. So, you know, I reckon they're just sort of uh, making a bit of noise about it because they can. And I think when they unload at Hidden Valley, I don't think you'll see too much difference in the horsepower levels of the uh, the Jim Beam racing cars. DJR's got a reputation for having uh, a lot of horsepower, always have done so, and uh, unless they've had a massive change in their engine department, I, I can't see them losing too much out of it. I, I think some of this is just uh, just trying to perhaps unsettle their opposition and get Triple Eight a bit uh, a bit worried and a bit uh, sort of concerned about where they're at. It's it's an interesting little game, isn't it? Because Kelly's come out and they just go bang. We've been using it for you know three out of the last four races. We've got no problem with it. And of course, yeah. uh, the Kelly's cars with their exhaust system being so radically different, it's you, you could never tell what's going on there because it sounds such a as a, such a different car. Yeah, that's that's the main thing, isn't it? So you, you, there's, there's so many variables still. It, with, even with the move to all these control components and. Uh, you know, standardisation across V8 supercar racing. There's still this black art of finding the extra one horsepower or a few extra newton metres of torque. So, and that's that's the great thing about motor racing, and that's why it's so interesting to a lot of people. So, yeah, there's there's still going to be more ways to find horsepower than just a camshaft. Yeah, there is indeed. Hey, we need to take another break. We're going to do gas and go in the white flag lap because, uh, well, we've had so much to talk about this week. But uh, I hope you can stay on the line. Gas and go in the white flag lap up next. This is the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders White Flag Lap Time, and it's Gas and Go. Gas and Go brought to you by, well, V8X Magazine with Shane Van Gisbergen on the cover. Gas and Go is three minutes for five questions, starting from now. Richard Crail, Bridie said Scaife retired too early. Do you agree? Uh, I do, yes. Brian? Absolutely. Uh, just... His results from Bathurst last year just proved that he um, he retired way before he um, he was over it. Will Davison, he's got a new car now. Will that be enough to get him rocketing back up to where we expect him to be? Yeah, I, well, I think so. It'll be part of the equation. He just needs a good couple of consistent runs and he'll be back at the front. He's a talented guy, Dave. God, I hope so. <laughs> He's just had such a shocking run of, of luck this year. You know, I mean, after finishing second in the championship to um, to being where he is now, it's, he's shattered, the team shattered, the fans are shattered. So I really hope that this gets Davo going again. Courtney says, don't worry about these soft tyre races being over. I'm still going to have speed on the hard tyres. Do you agree, Briar? Uh, I don't think so. No, I, I think we'll actually start to see him struggle a bit more. Uh, the soft tyres are just his little niche thing, and, and he does really good on them, but on the controls, he's just not so good. So uh, I'd have to say no, but, hey, James can prove me wrong. Richard? Uh, I think it won't be an issue for him. Uh, he was electrifying at Clipsal, chased down Garth Tander in there. That was on the hard tyre. Uh, I don't think it'll be an issue. I think that's a team and a driver right at the very top of their game, irrespective of what rubber they're on. 
Triple F Racing has got some backing from a Northern Territory company. Is this the way we'll see the small one-car teams doing it for a while, just picking up a sponsor here or there, whilst I guess the TV money's good enough, Briar? Yeah, look, this might be the way that teams have to go. Triple uh, F's been doing it a lot since they started uh, in about May last year. Uh, it's unfortunate they can't lock in a full-time sponsor, but, hey, if there are people or, or sponsors in different states that are prepared to sponsor the car on a one-off basis, um, by all means, if that's how they have to do it, that's how they have to do it. And hopefully with Car of the Future, it will make it a bit easier where it will uh, be cheaper to run cars, so hopefully they won't need to rely on that sponsorship as much. Yeah, and with Dino getting quicker and quicker, he's, he's had some really good results this year. I think getting a sponsor will become easy. But works in NASCAR, they swap sponsors more than I change underwear, so uh, it's more than likely that uh, it could be the way of the future that we see different liveries at different rounds. And I'm going to put two more questions in. Daria Franchitti, the Indy 500 winner, is coming to the Gold Coast, and uh, I guess everyone thinks he won't be driving with James Courtney if James Courtney's got a crack at the title. But the Texas 500 winner is going to be there as well, Richard. Yeah, our mate Ryan Briscoe, Craig. Isn't it good news? Great stuff. Um, Briscoe's proven quick in V8 supercars. Uh, I don't think it matters who he drives with. That car will be very, very competitive. Uh, Ryan's a talent. Uh, so is Scott Dixon. Let's not forget he just won the world's biggest motor race. But, um, yeah, it's great news. Fantastic stuff. Looking forward to seeing Ryan in action in a, in a V8. Yeah, it's... It's just worked out so well for V8 supercars. You know, it's funny how at the start the media branded it as a poxy pseudo-international event, and now you've got all these drivers who are winning events overseas, and, and they're getting the recognition, and people are starting to say, oh, hey, these guys are going to turn up on the Gold Coast in October. It's just going to uh, to create a lot more publicity for the event. Finally, on the gas and go for this week, guys, you did a great job keeping under time. V8 supercars are hiring. Anyone want to be the operations manager, Brian? Oh, not me. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Craig. Uh, Kirk Zekuski. Uh, I hope I got his name right. Nice he's, job. Uh, <laughs> thanks. He's uh, he's leaving. Uh, he's been there for quite a while. I think it's almost a decade he's been at V8s, and he's um, heading off to, to work with, well, he's not leaving the sport, really. He's going off to work with the, the Armoral 600, sorry, Armoral Gold Coast 600. And... Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who fills his place. It'll be sad to see it go. He's, he's a really good bloke at, at V8SA. Yeah, it's all part of Super Carnival, isn't it, Richard? It is. Tough job. Tough job. Uh, whoever gets that is going to have a, a, a pretty busy schedule, I think, taking over from Kurt. But, um, yeah, I, I don't particularly want it. I've got enough on my plate with S3 at the moment. But um, interesting job. And, gee, wouldn't that be a, a good thing to get to uh, to run, basically run day-to-day the uh, biggest uh, one of the biggest sports in the country really interesting and nice job pronouncing the surname too it's a it's a difficult thing it is in, <laughs> it, it is indeed well it's uh, gas and go for another week brought to you by v8x magazine and i can't believe it we did it in three minutes it's amazing what you can do with professionals like speed weeks richard crail and big ponds Briar Gunther. Speed Week this week, what do you got for us, Richard? Uh, Shannon's Nationals, Craig, from Malalar, F3, Porsches, Sports Sedan, uh, Commodore Cup, uh, all on there coming at you, so it uh, should be a good one, and you can keep saying nice things about us, Craig. We might come back on the show again. It was uh, Flattery will get you everywhere. Yes, it will, and of course, Briar, I'm sure you're going to be talking later in this week more about Jamie Wincup shaking down that new super lightweight uh, Commodore that Jamie Wincup's getting his hands on. Uh, yes, well, I read a story on it on uh, on Tuesday, so there might be more to come on that. But um, 
Yeah, that's all very interesting, and I'm sure he'll do just as well in that one as he has in his old one, which is called Kate. Yes, Georgia, the uh, new car for uh, Jamie Winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got Georgia on his mind. As uh, that's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. As the checkered flag waves over this edition, keep smiling. Till next time round. Bye for now. <laughs> Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.